I was so disillusioned at one point. I turned to Nigel Worthington and said, I'll just stop playing football. I'm Robert Green and this is my Norwich City story. Played for a Sunday league team, um, Woking Boys, which my old man run, and uh, with his mate, we had a really good side, and we we ended up playing in the what was then the Canary Cup, and we we won that um, with our Sunday league team, and we beat I think we beat some good Rangers and beat Sheffield Wednesday in the final, and 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 that. and so got scouted from there and went up for a trial, and off the back of the trial signed, I think I signed the week after they beat Bayern Munich. Um, in in the uh, in in Germany and uh, and uh, he's gone downhill for the club ever since. So <laughs> yes, uh, it was uh, yeah that was kind of a, a time and I think you know, at the time and before this is obviously before academies and stuff like that they they took you on a, when they're courting you as a club and they 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 wanted you to sign they took you around the club and on a tour and one of the more sort of memorable pe- times moments was was. Uh, it, 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 you know, you, you compare it to the London clubs and the, the clubs that are interested there and, and stuff like that. It, it's not as an impressive a ground as, say, going around White Hart Lane or, or wherever it might be, that, that you, you know, or Highbury at the time. And it, but they take you in, in at one point. They say, "Here's the team photo," and it's the full squad. And they go, "He's from the academy, uh, academy from the youth team system. He's from the youth team system." And it was something like seventy-five percent of the players at the time. You think, well. I've got a chance. I've got probably got more of a chance here than anywhere else, and it's a it's a very different setup nowadays where you have you know the likes here at Chelsea where you have hundreds of boys signed up. You had sort of for your age group maybe ten you know tops, and you had another age group of uh, age above. And when you went to full time at sixteen, and and that was it. You had twenty boys, and you. You know, you had a fighting chance of getting a, a one-year professional contract at the age of 18. So, you know, I signed there and I used to travel up with boys. we meet up at Liverpool Street and travel up every weekend to Norwich and go all around the country playing on a, on a Sunday morning and then going home, sort of doing your homework on the way home sort of on, a, on a Sunday afternoon. And that was your weekend gone. And it, it, it was kind of, that's kind of half a test of dedication needed to, to play to make that step into professional football, so you know, I loved it, and I loved the, the the sort of the experience. I loved going into London, getting on the tube, going, in, you know, doing that sort of thing. So it was it was it was an exciting time for me as a, as a kid. Uh, I got injured at fourteen at the what was then the Lillyshaw National School of Football, and was out for two years with a uh, broken back. And sort of the club stuck by me, stuck by me, paid for my uh, operation, which I had done in the old Norfolk and Norwich, and uh, and yeah, they really you know, they looked after me because they considered me a, a prospect, and so 
you know, in, in that regard, I, the, I, I could have been left on my own. I could have been sort of helped lift to fend for myself. And, and in that respect, I owe, I owe a lot to a club uh, and to the then uh, uh, Gordon Bennett, who was the youth development officer, and, and Colin Watts, who, who, who fought my corner and, and really said, you know, put their, their reputations on the line saying he's, he's going to come good for us. It's worth doing. And so, you know, it, it, it was something I've, I shall remember for, you know, as, as long as I'm around anyway. So uh, yeah, it, it was, it was an exciting time and, and something that I, I, you know, up until getting injured and being out for the two years, I really enjoyed the sort of, it was tough, but as a 12 year old sort of leaving home on a Saturday morning afternoon and not getting home until Sunday night that was it was tough but you know good at the same time you're always going to be a goalkeeper couldn't run yeah um still can't uh I'm probably something I'd like to think it was something to do with a broken back and which is now all fused together but it's uh it yeah it was just something that I, I think I think it was when I was eight eight years old the, well, someone asked my old man and said, well, how, when did you know Robert was being a professional footballer? He said, when he was eight. So, and that's when I started playing in goal. So he's kind of, it's been plain sailing ever since. Yeah, <laughs> no, but he's, uh, no, but that was, that was sort of my, you know, that was my position. I'd just always done it. We had a good youth team. Um, when I was 16, the year above was a uh, year of, you know, there was Craig Bellamy, uh, Chris Llewellyn, Adrian Forbes, Adrian Coote, numerous players who made it up into the first team, but good players who didn't make it. And I, and I think had the other players been in other years, they may have got a chance. But I think like, and so from my particular age group, there's uh, Darren Way was one lad who obviously is still in football. He had cut short, um, you know, quite brutally in, in his, his career but obviously moved into management and up until recently was, was a manager and so it, but it, it, you know for prolonged periods for, for such a good side we had for people who had what you would consider a full career in football it, it, it's very hard to you know to maintain that and, and people find different ways around their, their careers in football but you know, it, it just goes to show you need a lot of luck on your side and, and things to fall for you. And, and, you know, I'm still going at the age of 39, which is kind of, you know, it's a small, small miracle in itself. So, yeah. Keith Webb was there uh, doing the youth team. I mean, he was no, it's just, just so different then as it is to now, you know, you look at the academy structures and stuff like that. You, you had uh, a coach, maybe an assistant and, and, you know, on a Saturday, a physio. And that was it. And you know, Keith would run the whole youth team system on his own. And he was he he was no self-professed, no expert in goalkeeping, but obviously helped me as much as he could, and and you know, really sort of helped the boys as much as he could, and, and took great pride in 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 his team, and uh, you know, and a, a real very disciplined ethos towards it. And it, and it is. And that, that sort of thing instilled you was what you took into sort of the, your professionalism and, and, and beyond as, as a sort of a young man and, and going into your late teens. And uh, from there, I think uh, uh, Steve Foley was, was came in and did youth team and, and moved up into the first team. And he's someone who, you know, took 
great pleasure in helping the younger lads particularly um, and someone who I took to and, and really enjoy playing under in the reserves and, and, and moving up so you know from that though you know those guys I'm going to probably do people disservice by not mentioning them but you know we didn't have a full-time goalkeeper coach Martin Thomas used to come in he was one of the England goalkeeper sort of the under 16s and 18s goalkeeper coach would come in one day a week and and that was it really and we we left to learn for ourselves with with you know me and Brian Brian Gunn was obviously the senior professional and Andy Marshall was the up and coming one in between us and uh, you kind of learn him through through mistakes through experience through games and 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 that was it really and and so in that regard it, it was it was different but it, it grounded you quick you know, and 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 you learnt quick and you 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 know you weren't pandered to and you weren't really sort of you know you weren't protected in any way shape or form Okay. Wow. As I said, oh, I've got a ring on. <laughs> Don't know what I'm doing with a ring on. That's first. Um. You want me to comment on these? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's it's a yeah. It's a fundraising for the players. Daryl. He was a. Is he a year younger than me? I think in the, in the U team, and we sort of came through at a similar time he, he I think he actually made his debut young uh, quite young didn't he and, but yeah I hated doing things like that it was just you know, I, was, I just didn't want any publicity I didn't want to do anything of I just wanted to go to work and, and, and do my stuff and you know ever since I think I, I, I I, it always catches me out when I'm, I'm not talking about that photo now because it's so bad. But it, it, it always surprises me when people speak to me and speak to me in a manner that they kind of they feel like they know me because I, I don't know them. And and even at my age now, it still catches me out. And I'm still and I've come probably come across as rude or aloof and in that regard. But I'm just like, why are you speaking to me? And so so yeah, and I think in my facial face there behind it, I'm thinking God. You know, get me out of here as soon as you can. I, I went up, moved up to Notch when I was 16, and uh, and I decided to stay at school and do my A levels. And I went, and by the time I was 17 in, in January, I, I hadn't been to school for about a month because I was doing the youth team, playing for the youth team, playing for the reserves, and travelling with the first team. And as what was then the subkeeper, but there was only three subs, so they never put a goalkeeper on the bench. And you were cooking the cooking the meals on the back of the bus and on the way home after games. And and and, it, and you're getting up and you think, oh, you know, on a on a Wednesday morning, I should have been at school for two days. I haven't been at school, and I've got to get up at nine, having got home at four. And and then there's a reserve team game the next night and stuff like that. And I'm, and I turned to my dad and I said, I'm I'm so far behind my schoolwork. I can't carry this on. I don't know what to do. This is, you know, it is too much. Because of the way the club was, you, you just didn't have any, and we didn't have any goalkeepers. And I think Andy Marshall went out on loan somewhere, Gillingham or something like that. And then one of the other young goalkeepers got injured and there was just me. And I think the first game I went to was lost 6-4 at West Brom on a Tuesday night. And then the next game was... 7-1 at Port Vale or something. I just thought, oh, this is a disaster. What, what, what's going on, you know? And it, it, I think it's caused sort of 
it was a tough time for the for the club um but i think funds were an all-time low and it was just before delia came in and saved them and and you know was it the sale of mike sheeran from stoke to qbr or vice versa saved the club by putting in 40 grand or something so it was a real there was a real sort of difficult time and in but it gave young players a chance and i was all of a sudden thrown into this situation where you're just like involved in every team and yeah you it was tough but uh, i turned to the school my, my old man came up for a meeting with the school and said look w what do we do and they said uh well we're here to give your son a, a future he's got one go for it and assign professional forms then and you know, just because of the nature of the club it kind of you're running around the first team the whole time really so it, it was great in that regard just talking about your debut, came against Ipswich, didn't it? Goalless draw, got clean sheet on your debut against Ipswich. I mean, and I think it was because Andy got injured, wasn't it? So it was quite a shock. What, what do you remember about how that He got came sent about? off against Huddersfield and Daryl Such went and gone for about 80 minutes and played a blinder, I think. We drew one all. All I remember of that, sat there. I wasn't one of the subs, so I was sat on the bench. So, and Bruce Real just turning around, shouting at me, that's how you do it, that's how you do it. I was like, why? You've never seen me play. I don't know. So anyway, but because he was suspended, it, it, it came up, you know, that you knew the game was coming and the, the build-up was there and it's obviously a big game for, for, for everybody. And, uh, and it, was, it was, you know, a, a, a sleepless few nights before. And... Yeah, it, it, you know, it was it was for me a great occasion, but one that I remember just going home and going to sleep straight after the game. I was just so nervous and so uh, the the nervous energy that it took out of me. I think I think it's such a big big game for that area. You know, in in terms of the rest of the country, there there are geographically and and demographically bigger derbies. You know, and closer proximity wise but in terms of you've lived in that area for two three years and that's pretty much all everybody talks about and that, that, that so that that was that was a big occasion and you know one of the things that, that stuck in my mind was you know we were training the day before and just mucking around and I made a mistake with something and one of the players uh, turned to me and said if you make a mistake tomorrow I'm gonna kill you and that kind of stuck with me and I thought, well, I better not. And, uh, and so, you know, part of, as part of the game, I think, I think I broke Matt Jackson's nose towards the end, head butted him coming out for a, a ball. And I think, and I was, I was not angry at the end of the game, but I, I remember calling for it and just watching the ball and going up to edit and he was there all of a sudden and watching it on replay he was clearly waving to me to stay in the goal but I just just eyes on the ball and, and that he was angry and I was angry at the end of the game <laughs> well, what, what are you doing so anyway uh, hindsight being could have just left stadium a goal and let him deal with the ball but such is life and uh, we both lived but you know it was it was a memorable occasion and, and, and something that I I you know I enjoyed the game, but yeah, as I said afterwards, I just shattered and went home and went to sleep. Brave man. Um, we by that point we'd had the goalkeeper coach Malcolm Webster come in for um, sort of one day a week, and he'd do it switch two days a week, 
Kelvin Davis at Luton one day a week and us one day a week and Ipswich all of a sudden I think got promoted and then had an amazing season the first sort of that, that first season and went, ended up qualifying for Europe and off the back of it Richard Wright had a had a move to Arsenal and kind of ended his time at Ipswich and created a hole and Marsh went there it's on a free transfer so it made sense for everybody it just so happened that he played for Norwich prior and uh, something that I'm sure the Ipswich fans didn't forget and I remember playing against him in in a derby and thinking he's, he's getting it from both angles here you know so uh, yeah it, and, and I was fortunate that uh, at the end of the season when we knew Marsh was leaving that, that I went in to see Nigel, Mar uh, Nigel Worthington and, and, I, and I said I said to him, look, all I've ever asked for in my career is a chance. And he said, well, you'll get a chance. And he was good, good as his word. And uh, it was, you know, that, that first season, we, I was very fortunate. I also sort of didn't demand, but put a forceful request in that we got a full-time goalkeeper coach. I said, I'm a young goalkeeper. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning my trade. It's going to be tough for me. I just need someone with me every day to help guide me through it. And... They got Paul Crichton in, who's you know an experience, been around the championship a long time, and 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 sort of help lighten not not the mood, but but just just through his character and just through being, it's kind of because there's not many of you. There's sort of a young, so there's three or four of you plus a goal, including the goalkeeper coach. It's, it's a small group, so he's he, he'd be able to lighten the mood, and and especially after defeats or something like that. And, me being a youngster, but James Holman came in and, and spent a number of years at the club. Sort of, he was a, he was a, a lad from Ipswich, and he he sort of took the chance to come in and, and really help me out. And it just just that training every day sort of was was priceless for me. And so, yeah, it was, that first season was it was you know to go and play as many games as I did. I was. By the end of the season, I'd, again, it was it was just so draining, but so amazing at the same time. And, and for the manager, who was, it was his, I think he'd been manager of Blackpool previous, but his big chance as a manager to come and just put this confidence in me was was fantastic, and and something that I, I you know, I, I'll always be grateful for. Yeah, sneaking into the playoffs, Wolves with the away game of Wolves was brilliant and we lost but went through but just the atmosphere the the arrogance of of wolves sort of you know I remember their the comments in the program before the game were something of we have a you know it was almost to the point of we have a divine right to be promoted and we should not be dealing with this these playoffs and this you know this this other side, whoever they might be. Oh, by the way, it might be Norwich. You know, it was kind of not disrespectful, but we kind of. I read the program and went, "Wow, okay." You know, th there's motivation for us, and uh, it was such a great atmosphere. And and then to go. The only the only thing I like about it, 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 the only obviously not obviously losing, but in, in, in on penalties, but. I'd, I'd like for it to love for it to be at Wembley, and uh, you know, and the, the old Wembley, but obviously can't change that. But it was, uh, I'd like to have played at both, but circumstances dictated that that had gone. And uh, yeah, in the end, I kind of 
it was so big and such a big opportunity. Whether we were ready as a team, I, I think we were quite a long way off being a Premier League team. You know, if we'd have got promoted, the next season could have been quite painful. But the just to get there and to give the players that belief for a couple, you know, the players involved, including myself, in the future, just to say, look, you can do it and you you can get close. So it was, you know, the older players, I think, it hit harder. You know that they thought, well, this is our that that was our final chance to get into the Premier League, maybe. But for for the younger players, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's such a, in an ironic sense, such a morale-boosting way to end a season that you know you you're there. And I, and I think just that lack of, there was one or two of us were just that bit younger. And you look around that side. I mean, you looked at the, the me. Maybe a couple of the boys who were taking the penalties were still kids, really. And and that may have made a made a, made a difference in in the in the in the in the final throws. But you know, as, as experiences go, playing in a huge stadium, huge occasion, and the side playing well and and competing and everything, it was it was a, a you know it was a, it was a great time to be at the club. There was actually a civic reception, wasn't there? After that, it, even though you didn't go up, you might not remember it, but I think there was something at City Hall where. My memory's not too sharp with yeah. these sort of things. Yeah, anything with anything involving public receptions or anything like that, oh, they're dreaded. Yeah, especially <laughs> as a kid. I was a kid. He's a young man. It wasn't small talk and civility and sort of idle chat. I, I, you know, with with strangers wasn't my thought sort of thing. The Jeff Horsfield say anything. Like, I remember doing it, and I, with his goal after. It came to him, and I remember thinking, he's got to put it in the corner because he. I saved the last one when he tried to put it back across me, and if I'd have done the same again, I'd have saved it, and we might, might not have got promoted. But I can still remember it now, running across the goal, going, "I've just got to dive. I've just got to dive," and and if I'd have just stopped and stayed like I did with the previous one, I probably would have saved it, although it was a bit closer. But that's that's football. And it's ifs and buts, and you're making a decision on you know, 0.2 of a second sort of you know uh, instincts. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, that's that's the the moment that, that stuck in my mind from it. It wasn't the save. It was sort of being the sort of looking back and being a keeper. You kind of think, well, well what about the one that went in? And you thought, well, if I'd have just stood there, perhaps I would have saved it. Never know. That's a photo of me stood next to Kreitz in a team lineup of what year would that be? I have no idea. Um, there's a promotion season. I think me and you, you and have seen the same thing. I don't know what it is, but we're the more observant out of the, out of the whole team. But it took, I don't know how long and how many meetings to get elbow pads taken out the shirts. It seems bonkers now that you had elbow pads that, that did absolutely nothing and but restrict you in the in the goal. And and I stood there and I said, I don't want elbow pads in the shirts. And and they must have had I don't know how many meetings with whoever the kit manufacturer was at the time. Just and they said we can't do anything about it. So just take the blooming elbow pads out. Yet. So yeah. Uh, 
every season, and it was quite good actually. Every season at at, at, at Norwich and, and and at West Ham, they, they turned to me and said, "What what colour kit do you want?" And and I'd say grey or black, and we just alternate. And if if we need another one, it was green. And so you just alternate between. And so the reason for Norwich's kits for a vast number of years, goalkeeper kits being green, green, grey or black, was because that's what I wanted. And you go back to when Gunny, Gunny used to oh, as bright as possible, as many colours. They were horrific. So, uh, so yeah, that's why they were really boring and grey. Uh, because I asked them to. Be. Obviously, we had talent up front, and the big difference I think was going out in January whenever it was at Christmas and, and, and making the signings that we did, the, all of a sudden you had options and, and, you know, we talked about playing for Leeds earlier, uh, a couple of years ago, and we were up there again and we said, we t experienced players went to the, went to the senior, uh, the, the sort of executives of the club at the time and said, we need help, we're running out of numbers, we need backup, we're going we're gonna to crash and burn soon. You know, we've got, 11, 12 lads playing every game and it's a physical league and sure enough we crashed and burned and fell out of the playoffs and, but you, you, you look at that side and Delia and Michael Wynne-Jones were, were fantastic and they just went what do you need and within the, the reasons of the, the, the means that they can they went and got what they could and you know Leon and uh, Matt Svensson coming in obviously as Darren Huckabee staying was, you know, but I think it was a canny move by the manager. He went and got us in a position to, you know, got Crouchy in, got Darren Huckabee in and got us in a position to go and say like, well, we're up here now, it's down to you. And he, he, he really put it on their toes in that regard and they backed it. And, it, and, I, and I think, you know, I think you look at the back five, I think between us is Mark Edworthy missed a few games. But other than that, we played every game. And, you know, Malky and Flem and, and Adam Jury, I think we missed something like, I think they missed three games, four or five games between all of them. And you think, you know, whether, whether the steadiness of a back five or it comes with success or success comes with the steadiness of a back five, you're never really quite sure. But I think that, that was a, you know, a huge thing. You just, you know, there was times you just turn around, and look at each other, the fivers, and go, right, this is down to us today. We're just not going to concede. That's all it is. And sometimes it was, how many times do you remember in the championship playing, going, this is an amazing football game? Over the course of the season where you win the league, two or three out of 46, you know, it's, none of them are ever going to be beautiful games of football, really. And uh, it's a case of winning. And, you know, we, we by the end, you thought it was pretty tight, and by the end, we, you know, mathematically we cruised it really. So it was a, it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic achievement. But I think it was off the back of quite shrewd political moves by the manager, really um, putting the club on the position that they did, and then putting the onus on them at a crunch time, and they came up trance, which is credit to everyone involved, really. It was a new dimension. It was something that like, a lot of us had never faced. And that first season, that season in the Premier League, again, having, it was a bit like the playoffs that 
having had players with the lack of experience that we had, it kind of, I'm sure probably there was games in there that we would have won had we'd had a couple of seasons of Premier League football. You were looking around going, hold on a minute, these teams aren't playing any better than us, but we're losing games here. And it was just key moments that didn't go our way. And, and you look back and the one that will always stick with me was Ledley Kling clearing one off the line from Darren Huckabee at Spurs and we were in a nil-nil draw. And that was early in the season. And I just think that bit of belief with a way win at White Hart Lane would have, would have changed the season in that regard. It didn't come. And we ended up season without obviously going down the last day, but not winning an away game, which was, you know, the, the, the one big thing that you look at and go, you know, that probably would have won us that game had Lely not been as quick as he is and as good as he is. But, you know, that's, that's, that's Premier League football and that's, that's playing against some of the best players in the world. I mean, Dean Ashton came in in, in, the, in January, didn't he? And most perceived wisdom is if he'd been there from the start of the season, it would have been a different matter as well. Possibly, yeah. Um, you know, you never really know with things like that. I think Delia and Michael did what they could do at the time and you know I think they put all their money in when they could it was a record signing by a long way and he was a fantastic player obviously played with him at West Ham and after and it was it was something that he he brought a new dimension and, and also he's a better player than everyone else the bottom line and you know you feel you play a team with better players you paid more money you stay up we didn't have that we we were doing with what we could with what we had and you know that's maybe what we're talking about the experience that quality comes into it as well and so uh, yeah it, it, it's it's a it's a I never really looked at it like that but yeah you, you can't really put your finger on it in that regard but he scored a lot of goals in that running and proved a handful for a lot of teams and he he was you know he's one of the lads he's a lad with I think probably the hardest shot I've ever had to face and so quite a lot of weight behind it as well not as much as he has now but um yeah so it, it, it's something that he you know he was he was a you know a big factor giving us an opportunity staying up don't worry we'll make sure Dean sees that um oh please do <laughs> I'll try to block it out um thanks uh no, I, I, I think we could have been about 2-0 two, two up. I had a goal disallowed, which no one understood why, and a blatant penalty turned down. And you look at moments and you look at things like that, and you know, I, 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 I never looked at that game as, as the reason why we went down. Um, by by half time we were two down or something like that and we I think virtually went with six up front I think that's the reason why we lost six nil rather than the fact that you know if we were two nil down at half time we tried you know we we just went for it and it, and it was it was but I I look at moments like Ledley King making a save on the line as a as a greater moment than than that final game I I all I remember was seeing. 
at the end of the game being absolutely mortified and going out to clap the fans and seeing Joe Lewis in the middle being a giant, giant freak that he is, sort of just stood there roaring with laughter. <laughs> what are you doing? That's the bit that stuck him. I was like virtually close to tears and he's there just crying with laughter. I was like, oh, cheers, mate. Yeah. But, um, again, that, that sort of game, you, you just looked at their team. They were, you look at Fulham side and they had a team full of internationals, experienced players, stuff like that. And we didn't. And, and that was probably one of the reasons for that story of that season. That was, I think I've got that picture, yeah, uh, at Fulham. I think, I think my parents have got it, yeah. It's a good one. Um, kind of... Yeah, he's, he's what I'm not sure what to add. I, I, you know, it was kind of. I assume by the manner of me sitting there is that it's not the first goal or the second. It's kind of number four or number five or number six. Um, and just, you know what? I think I've just blanked it out from my mind because it was such desperately sad sort of. It was so close to doing so well when we like you say we're on such a good run and to hit that one and you know we'd, we'd given ourselves a lifeline and and then you know absolutely crashed and burned and it was i don't know i i, I just felt felt at that time going back to the championship felt like a it felt like an absolute it felt like a disaster really That summer, it must have been difficult having been relegated. And of course, then the following season was was, was hard too. So did you stay a season too long? Was it too much? Was that a difficult, were there difficult decisions to be made at that point? Um, for me, person, on a personal level, I think the walls were closing in on me on a, in terms of living in Norwich. And it was... It was difficult, and I, and I, and I know it's a it's a wonderful part of the world, and it's you know I was 24, 25 by this point, and had spent the best part nearly 10 years living there. My mates who I'd made there had all gone off to university and chosen to come back, and I was there, and I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I was there for 50 50 weeks of the year. And working there full time, and you know, as a young man, it was kind of. I was in my early twenties, a young single bloke, just wanting to go off and experience different stuff, and it became a real sort of issue with me, as 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 it was as much as it was living in the place, as it was sort of on a professional level, as much as anything, and and I remember sort of doing an interview after leaving and going to West Ham and, and I think it was Alan Smith and, and I said Norwich is, is a, a city the size of a town with a small uh, with a village men, uh, mentality and I meant that in a positive and a negative sense but obviously the more or the longer I had lived there the more I just felt like you couldn't get out and you were stuck and I was and, it, and by the end it was I think towards the end my my I think I remember my dad going to see Nigel Worthington and, and 
it's a, it's a, so, a social function at, at the end of one of the seasons and, and he said Portsmouth had already made a bid for me and the club had asked for crazy money uh, I know I knew Spurs were Tottenham were trying to buy me at a time and again they were asking for uh, just an unparalleled amount of money and it was it was frustrating in that regard because you've seen these clubs and Premier League clubs and as much as I had a regard for the club and the, the place it was kind of this is you know opportunities in London and for me as a person more than anything just to go and do try something different and uh, yeah my, my dad turned to Nigel Washington at this function he said can't can't you see you you're ruining my son's life with this you know it, it, it's he's he's so frustrated he's he's sort of you know he, he needs he needs something else in his life now football's not bringing just the sole purpose of his life it, 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 it's it's something bigger than that and and to be fair to Nigel I just turn around and said well I, I think it's time he goes and and so you know on a personal level, I think as much as anything, it was just that that sort of. I don't know. I, I know friends up there who've lived there all their lives and have been happy there all their lives, and I understand that. That's not me, and I know I've I've come from. Sorry, I've moved up there. You know, I've come back to London, and and it's been a great experience, and and, and that's something that, you know, if I'd have stayed there, I I don't know whether I. I you know I, what would have happened but it, it's something I couldn't have done and uh, I think just on a personal sense it was as much as anything so, so in that regard yeah Your England debut came while you were at Norwich mm. how that moment where does that rank in terms of your career? It was it's funny because it's you're so wrapped up in it and it, like at the time I was so much more intense as a person that I was so focused it was a you know, playing Colombia in, Amer in, in America is kind of about as meaningless as it gets for international games and, uh, and it, in, in a friendly and it, it, it was something but I was so focused and so intense that, that you, I, I didn't think to remember anything from it oh, and I, I just remember that being a second half sub standing and watching sitting and watching in a sort of perspex substitute dugout in the New York heat for an hour before coming on I was about probably about two stone lighter than when I started the game and it was just I was so nervous and so it was so tough just sitting there and watching this game going I'm coming on I'm coming on I'm coming on I'm coming on and it was just going up. and by the end of the game again it was just a, a massive relief really that it happened and, and it was it was sort of it was it was great in that to get it oh, to be one of what was it at the time six players I think at Norwich to to have played for England shows I'm, I'm sure there are more than six players who should have played for England at the time I think John Ruddy's added to it um, but other than that there's there's a lot of players who possibly should have played in it's historically you know, people always said it's tougher for players to move from Norwich because no one travels there to scout the players it's so far out of the way if you live in Manchester you're not going to drive to Norwich you're going to drive to Preston or Burnley or Blackburn or to watch those games so for England historically it's tougher for people to play for England for Norwich because no one really watches them play this is before TV took over so 
you know, so it was it was a great and and it was you know very touched that you know more so now than probably at the time that, that Delia presented a commemorative um, um, cut glass uh, gift, um, which I didn't think much of at the time, but having been around football for twenty odd years now and never been given so much as a thumbs up afterwards from a club. You, you kind of, you realise what it meant to the club and, and you know, that sort of thing. Everyone, you know, how much of a community thing and how much everyone was in it together as a club. Is that before 2006 World Cup, I assume? Yeah. yeah. And, well, I, in a bit of trying to, do a lot of gym work I've been taking a lot of creatine and I think that aided in snapping my groin but you can see in my face that I've got a lot of water retention and kind of in hindsight probably wouldn't have done that and maybe not have maybe not have got the injury that I got but yeah going to the World Cup was 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 very exciting um, you know being involved and it's just such a a big thing, you know. Being selected was massive, but just just the sense of occasion, the sense of you know being amongst players who were you know, superstars in their own right, and uh, you know to have that taken away was was tough. Um, but you, you just move on so quickly because you've just got to get fit. You know, and that was it. And you just got to move on, got to get fit. And uh, and so you, you kind of, your focus goes on to something else. Your energy is going on to something else, which is, that's football, that's life. And uh, you, you spend a lot of time in, in football never really processing stuff, mentally processing stuff. And, you know, bury it to the back of your mind, bury the disappointment and, and, and move on. And and, and so you know, that that's one of those occasions. And it was, again, photo opportunity I, I look like I'd rather be anywhere else in the world really so <laughs> with hindsight now you look at you talk about sort of moving on and I think some sort of symmetry with my time at West Ham that in the first team I was both there both for six years and played pretty much uh, an identical number of games for the first team and I think in myself that there in both instances I needed a new challenge and that's what came about and and I think I, I, I've always looked back fondly at, at, at Norwich as a club I don't think you can't you know it, 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 there's, there's it's as everyone says it's everyone's most most fans second favourite club you know and, and, and it's with good reason and I, and I think its identity, how it goes around. I think the owners, in terms of being good people, doing what they think is right for the club with a, an open and honest policy is true to the club and, and true, to, true to the fans. And, and, I, and I think the public perception is, is of that. And, and my time at Norwich is, I look back and I, and I got a nice letter from um, Neil Doncaster, the former chief exec, 
after an article I did in the paper and he wrote and said wrote a really nice letter to me and I wrote back and said out of all the clubs I've been at Norwich wasn't the biggest but it was the best run and also probably the most honest and you you, you kind of at the end of it you kind of deal with people how you want to be dealt with and I, and I, and I think the club did that and from all what I can tell can are carrying on doing so and 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 so yeah I, I look back at it now and I think they gave me an opportunity they stuck by me when a lot of clubs wouldn't they gave me an opportunity when a lot of clubs wouldn't and you know despite you know my own personal sort of professional personal issues of of, of wanting to move on it, it it it's something that was something that was down to me that was down to me not the club and that was my own personal issues as opposed to anything wrong with the club and uh and i think you know as long as delia and, and michael are in charge and they've got the good people around them then the, the club's always got a chance of of, of a being they, they save the club for starters and and b you know being held in such high regard and as do I. Your Norwich City hero. You got any Norwich City heroes? <laughs> like, it has to be Gordon Bennett. Yeah, has to be. Just solely for... He used to stand on the side of the pitch and scream the boys fiver for a diver he'd say in this Bristolian accent and if you scored a diving header he'd give you five pounds I mean he's, he's a genius and an absolute you know character but yeah yeah it'd have to be Gordon Bennett tell us something we don't know about your Norwich spell Oh, tell me something I don't know about my Norwich spell. I used to live in a place called... Nah, it, it was spelt Costessi. But Cossi, yeah. And there was a snooker club there. And I used to go down there with my mate and play snooker just to get out the house, but somewhere quiet, and they didn't know who I was. And then someone recognised me in there and started talking to me, and I never went back there again. When did it nearly end early for you at Norwich? I remember Brian Hamilton want, didn't want to keep me when he was manager. And I know that the people in the Steve Foley and Keith Webb and, and people behind the scenes fought for me to stay. Um, and then Oh, another point was <laughs> this. This could apply for you. Tell us something you don't know. Um, I was so disillusioned at one point. I turned to Nigel Worthington and said, "I'll just stop playing football." And it was. It took a lot of soul searching, a long time, to, for me to come to the fact that you know I, I I should carry on and 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 
you know, I, I take back what I said, but in the heat of the moment, at, at one point, I think it was possibly when Portsmouth had tried to buy me, and, uh, and the, I just felt like I didn't want to, you know, it, it, it was too much, and mentally I'd, I'd gone with the situation, and, and I nearly walked away, yeah. That was, that was another moment. Your favourite Norwich City moment or memory? It's difficult because I was just so intense as a person then. I just didn't really enjoy anything. Like any, any mo like it was always like getting promotion. I was there focused on next season. One of the favorite memories was probably, uh, yeah, that last 10, 15 minutes at Molyneux in the playoff semi-finals when they scored and the whole place kicked off. It was going mental and yeah, just, looking across and I think the, the the Norwich fans were all below the Wolves fans and they were just getting pelted with staff odors and it felt like a proper intense atmosphere and uh, yeah that and then probably going to win at Portman Road was a good one uh, in the promotion season and beating Manchester United at home that was another one that was another good one. Yeah, there's a few. When I think about it, yeah. Who do you miss? I miss my big poster, of, my big painting of Alan Partridge. Uh -huh. My wife won't let me have that up in my house. Uh, yeah, I had a 12 foot Alan Partridge painting done in his tracksuit and jogging shorts. Went above it saying, would you like me to lap dance for you? But, yeah, that's probably out of everyone. Who don't you miss? Ah, oh, you've mentioned so many already. Uh, well, I spent more time with Dean Ashton afterwards, and I'm sure he doesn't miss me. We played a horrendous game at, at Ewood Park, and we won 1-0, and Dean Ashton, he missed an open goal from six yards and then scored an open goal from six yards and, and got man of the match, and we won 1-0. After all the lads at the back had fought, scrapped and just, you know, done everything. I was so disillusioned at the end of the game. Like we were being interviewed and like, we obviously won, we were delighted that we won, but, and they said, oh, Rob, can you present Dean with the Man of the Match award? Hold on a minute. I thought I was gonna get it. And it said, oh no, there you go, Baldy, nice one. And uh, live on Sky and uh, he didn't realise until we got on the bus got out, and he was getting messages on his phone he's holding them it so yeah I, I wouldn't put anybody but I'm sure Dean doesn't miss me yeah my Norwich City regret to not enjoy it as much as I should have done uh you know, it's a, because you're in it at the time and it's normal for you and it's normal for, because it's happening to you. It's not special in that regard. And you look back now and it was the first season, getting to the playoffs final was the first season of success for such a long time for, you know, they had so many difficult years, so many tough years of, you know, financially, ownership, you know, Robert Chase and then no one and virtual administration and, and that sort of stuff for actual get sort of 
just a bit of momentum behind the club to have enjoyed it more. And I'm, I'm sure pretty much most of my teammates would have said I'd been, I was proper miserable throughout it all. And just, just to relax and enjoyed it was not something that I was probably capable of doing at the time. Where's the grass greener? Boom. Um, for me, it was just new challenges and, and the personal side was just, I just needed to experience a different place. And so the grass greener thing is, uh, yeah, it probably was. And, you know, going back to London, going back to being relatively anonymity about myself and walking around London, you know, without the being watched or feeling like I was being watched as, as probably a, a better sense of uh, how it felt. Um, you know, it, it was just something that I, I really sort of enjoyed. And so, and I remember going back as a, in a pre-season friendly and, and playing for West Ham and against Norwich at the time. And, you know, it, it, it was just head and shoulders better than, than Norwich at that moment in time. And, you know, I, I felt more a part of that West Ham team then, and I was so pleased to be part of it that, that it was kind of, we were full of, you know, quality players and I felt a part of it. And I thought, well, you know, going on and, and moving on was, it was kind of inevitable, but also I, Norwich spent a couple of years suffering, you know, I went down to League One and, 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 and that. So it kind of in that regard, it kind of answers itself. Your message to the Norwich City fans? Uh, hope you're well. Um, <laughs> it's a fantastic club. It's got people at the heart of it and surrounded by it with, you know, the best intentions for the club. It's a real club of the community and something that, you know, I probably didn't appreciate in that regard whilst I was there, but can see it now as, as, as sort of that, that sort of club as, as, as such a real focal point of such a, a strong community and, and, and one where, you know, I understand that the fans, you know, they, they, they truly love it there and, and, and you, you, you get that sense, uh, nah, yeah, you get a real, you know, as part of a point in my career, then you know, it, was a, it was a fantastic to go and grow up in both of, personal and, and professional sense and just a, a big old question do you know what you're going to do after football yet I'm not writing you off but you know when it does come to the time no <laughs> in short I'm finishing the degree this summer um, and I'm going to go and weigh up what to do yeah and uh, we'll, we'll see I think what's the degree in uh, business uh and hopefully passing is subject to passing but uh, yeah if, if all things considered as much as people love being managers and coaches it's not for me <laughs>